Hello, everyone, and welcome to Defy. Today, we have another nomination interview, which I'm super happy about. Today, we're going to introduce Kirsten Franklin. She is fantastic and a co-founder of the Relationship Recovery, but also she's just an all-around fantastic person. I've stalked her Instagram pretty thoroughly, and I can attest to that. She was nominated by one of our listeners, Robin. Robin is actually her sister, so she's a little biased, but it's founded bias, so it's okay. She sent me a text and she sent me like five texts telling me that Kirsten's amazing and I absolutely need to have her on. So Kirsten, thank you for accepting the nomination and I'm pumped to be interviewing you today. Thank you for having me. So just to get started, I'd I'd love to learn a little bit more about what makes you you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm really excited to be on here and I appreciate it again. And of course, I appreciate my favorite sister. Um, I can say that because it's only... Um, her and I, so there's no bias. Don't worry. I'm not leaving anybody out. Essentially, I guess what makes me, me is, you know, and I think in life, all of us have trials, but I really feel like I've gotten a brunt since like age 15. I feel like I've had lots of things thrown in my way. Um, medical malpractices, loss of eyesight, bullying, uh, poor relationships, divorce, um, there's probably more, but those are really the big moments. And I think what makes me, me is I've used all of those moments to catalyze or as a catalyst to get me where I'm at now. And I, I think all of us have those really big moments, but they, I've, instead of letting them necessarily, you know, take the full definition as to, and when I say that, I mean like the definition of what happened, I've allowed it and pushed it into my heart and just made it part of the reason I do what I do every day. I show up for the relationship recovery or why I show up on frankly Kirsten, which is my personal page, just in efforts of reaching out to other people. Well, we'll get more into a specific moment, but I'm curious what kind of helped motivate you to use those moments to just as a catalyst to help others and help you show up for other people. Originally, I think it started as kind of instinctual, which I've watched that since I was younger. I mean, I I grew up in a home. My mom took care of my grandma for 11 years with Alzheimer's. And I just watched her show up every single day in this really difficult trial of hers for, you know, over a decade. And so I think just watching her work so hard to take care of my grandmother, it was just what I knew what to do. When something hard happened, we just kept going. And you know, maybe it didn't, it wasn't fantastic or anything, but we just kept going and it in turn ended up helping others. That that story and what we go through can end up, you know, making it so we have a connection with other people and it can make it so we have empathy for other people. And so it just naturally went that way. As I got older and more like adult things happened to me, like divorce and walking out of an abusive circumstance and multiple abusive relationships, it made me realize that I have to be purposeful in this and I have to, I can choose to continue down this road or I can take it and make my life better. But not only my life, I can help others because as I kept going, I noticed there wasn't a lot of resources. Um, You know, of course there's things like therapy, which I'm a huge advocate for therapy, but there were, there were missing pieces. And to that, it, it just made it, it just seemed simple and put in front of me. And 
I believe in God and I believe God really led me in a lot of where I'm at today too. Um, I mean, obviously he's, in my opinion, he strengthened me through all of that so that I could in turn reach back and help pull somebody else forward while continuing on my own journey. I love that. And I I feel the same way about, you know, when you're leaving a spouse or people in places that aren't great for you, it's, it's hard to have that strength sometimes. What was kind of the, cause you've mentioned a handful of things that you've gone through. So it sounds like we could talk for hours if we, if we needed to, what do you think was the main challenge that was happening in your life that, cause you mentioned that you became more purposeful. What was the point? What was that challenge or trial that you faced that helped you come to the realization on becoming more purposeful? I think it's when I found the common trend, like all those trials, right? Even and things happen to us in life all the time, right? The things that are not in our control and there's things that are in our control, of course, but there was a common trend for me. And what I found was my self-worth really lacked. I, I didn't really understand that I deserved more in my life until I was about, it was after I had left my first marriage. I had left my first, I, I had left my marriage because, you know, it wasn't because I wasn't being treated right. It wasn't because, I mean, those things were happening, um, but I wasn't leaving for me. I left for my son. So it wasn't until my son was born. And I remember just, we were driving in the car. I look back, he's in the car seat and my ex was yelling at me and and punching the dashboard and, you know, those type of things. I just remember thinking, I'm not going to allow him to grow up thinking that this is a healthy relationship, even if it means, you know, whatever comes next, there's no way that I'm going to let him grow, you know, grow up to do that. And so it was great. I exited. I mean, it was the best gift ever. I mean, I really did it for him in some ways. It was very much codependency. It was me protecting my son. It was me being a mom. But when I got out, I realized I really had to figure out what is it that's, you know, dictating my life and my decisions and why I keep ending up in these relationships or even when something out of my control, like the medical malpractice, right? Why am I allowing it to have so much power over me, losing my eyesight, making it so my eye doesn't look quite right, you know, and I've had corrective surgery since then, but that really was a big thing when I was a teenager, you know, I wasn't treated very nicely. I had a couple of people just say really rude things that really stuck with me. So really that defining moment is when I figured out the trend between everything. You know, I lost a friend when I was younger, you know, all these things just all really led back to, I just didn't, I didn't have a true, I didn't have self-worth really. I, I didn't understand what my value was. And so that was really the pivotal moment for me when I realized the trend and I realized and started working on myself and realized that I didn't need a self-sacrifice for other people. And and it would actually help more people if I figured out my own crap (laughs) and really found my own worth, then my worth would, I would be able to pass that on and they could find their own worth and they could clear their own trauma and they could figure out how to do those things. And that's why I became a coach is just because once I figured that out, I wanted to pass it on. But that was, I guess that would be the most defining moment is understanding what was at the core of everything because it was dictating my life. I mean, ultimately it was the core trauma, so to speak. I talk about normalizing trauma all the time. I I, I haven't found a better term, but 
you know, we all have traumatic moments. We all have complex PTSD in a lot of ways. And not obviously I can't diagnose, I'm not a therapist, but we all walk through things that, you know, typically dict, I mean, everything dictates early programming in our life dictates our life and how we react to things in these pivotal moments happen. And um, I just think sometimes we miss that. We don't process them. And then we don't realize that that lens, that trauma is now our lens that we react to everything in. Mine was, I just was, I felt like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't perfect enough. And I know that's a common, you know, I'm not good enough is you can see 500 quotes on or more 500 million probably quotes on, you know, not having very strong worth or, or that I'm not good enough and how to switch it and those type of things and affirmations and all that. But I really struggled with that. I really struggled. I really thought everyone else around me was perfect and I was not. And it dictated a lot of my life, a lot of my decisions. And when I figured out that that was dictating so much of my life and I work and continue to work on clearing those things, that was, that's when everything changed. I love how you're saying there are a lot of moments, but there was always a core reason for certain things happening in and out of our control, right? What helps you maintain clarity on your self-worth? Like what helps you remember how valuable you are when, when life does get challenging again and when it's easy to lose sight of that kind of thing? I mean, I think it's multiple factors. First overall is I try to maintain my spirituality, whether that for you is the universe or God or however you want to refer to it. Like again, I said, mine is God. Anytime that I've struggled, it's when I've lost connection, so to speak, with higher power. Um, so for me, it's just maintaining that relationship with God because ultimately that's where I get the ultimate worth is knowing that I am of great value. I was put here on purpose. God has led me here and God has great plans for me. That's one part. The second part would be continued work on myself, continually growing. One of the things that with my clients, when I work with people that um, have been through either toxic relationship, relationship trauma in my coaching practice with the relationship recovery with my business partner, Tiffany Denny, I do a lot of the same things I teach them. But ultimately, one of the things we always say is there is not a destination. When you remove the expectation of a destination, you are going to go so much further. So the second piece of that is I removed the destination and I just am forever growing and forever working on myself. I go to therapy. I have coaches. Just I, you know, just I don't ever ask any of my clients. Everything that I teach my clients, I do myself. I've done EMDR therapy with my therapist. Um, he's amazing. Though that has been huge for my trauma. I continue to show up every day and try to maintain goals. I have a motivating factor for what I'm doing in my life uh, in different places of my life. So I'm not just out with no purpose. I always try to maintain purpose in everything I do and why I'm doing it because I'm going to self-sabotage. I'm going to probably try to you know fall back into some of those belief systems I've had. And I just continue to do the work. It's just like going to the gym. Self-work and self-love is just like lifting weights. You, you have to continue to do that or you'll lose it. And so that's what I do. Always reading, always trying to grow, always trying to add things. 
But for me, the, all of those resources are super important and I just continue to do work on myself. And, and we're, I mean, humans are really complex and they're really simple at the same time. And there's just layers and layers. And I always joke that I have this catalog and I just keep uncovering things, but you know, we're adding things and maintaining and, but there's also things from our past and, and you're just doing that balance, but you become more as you do that. So those would be my two main things that I continue to do. That's great. Any favorite books in particular that you're do, you've read recently that really helped you out or impacted you? So I have a, I have a couple um, that are really really love. I actually have a whole list for free on our on our website, therelationshiprecovery.com. We have a whole list of them um, that you can download for free. But a couple of the big ones for me, I really loved anything by Jen Sincero. I will say there's a language warning on there. <laughs> um, that was actually one of the first, uh, that was a big book for me when I decided to become a coach uh, was her example. Mel Robbins is really great. I'm not trying to throw out people that swear, but I guess she does sometimes too. But I, the five second rule is a really great one. Anything by Brene Brown, of course, she's fantastic. I read Untamed recently. There's a lot of pieces in there I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if I align completely with the book. There's definitely, um, but there's a lot of really good gems in Untamed by Glennon Doyle as well. And then I also, um, by Ogman Mandino, it's, I believe it's the greatest salesman and he has scripts. And, um, one of my coaches that I worked with for a while, his name's Paul Blanchard. Um, he was my coach and I was actually working with him in a business sense. He told me about the greatest, um, salesman by Ogmandino and he's part of the Ogmandino group. But um, I've absolutely loved using that. It just has really good affirmations to listen to every day. It's just small chapters. You can read them. I prefer to like get them on Audible and listen to them. But those would be some of my top picks. I have a question for you and you don't have to answer it. You're, you've been remarried since uh, yes. at least, right? How is it? How is it compared? Like I know being an abusive relationship is draining in many, many ways. And that's an understatement. <laughs> Someone who's gone through EMDR therapy as well. So other plug for that. EMDR is awesome. Oh, absolutely. Big, big fan. Still doing it all the time. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so my question for you as someone who hasn't been remarried since leaving a relationship, what's, what's kind of been the biggest difference for you having experiencing that kind of relationship again? The biggest thing, there's a couple different things I probably hit being remarried. Um, The first one is, I am so grateful that I figured out my stuff. Like I I figured out that my lack of self-worth was really dictating what I was accepting and what I wasn't and, you know, those type of things. So I am, I very much more, I take better care of myself in this relationship than just, you know, because I was really codependent on my ex And that circumstance just wasn't healthy for either one of us, really. It often isn't. Um, So that would be big differences. A, there's boundaries in your relationship. Those things are so crucial. That's been the biggest thing is I have boundaries. I have, I take care of myself. I take the time for myself. I put my, you know, I, I really, I know it's cliche, but I pour into myself. So I, 
so you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like I really try to make sure that I'm in touch with that. And when I am running low and I'm not taking care of myself is when I notice there's the biggest issue in my relationship or I'm not communicating well enough because I've, I, that's when like resentment and some of those frustrations come in. And that's ultimately been the biggest changes. I actually know how to navigate that. Our relationship is not perfect. I mean, my, my husband will be the first one to tell you that I am not perfect. And I will be the first one to say that he's not perfect. Um, that kind of happens when you know somebody on another whole other intimate level and you know, everything inside and out. I mean, we fight and we have our moments, but the difference is in this relationship and my last is I know how to navigate. I know how to deal with things. And I also made sure that when I got married again, I mean, all of our, you know, marital fights or marital issues or what we're frustrated about are all very surface. It's not a core issue, right? We're not dealing anything with anything that's dictating the relationship. It's just more, you know, normal miscommunication. Or I'm not saying, I don't really want, I didn't mean to say normal. I think there's multiple different versions of issues and relationships. But the main thing is I just learned boundaries, taking care of myself, um, catching when communication isn't working well. And actually having that discussion, I think, has been the most crucial piece. Another thing I would just add, after leaving that relationship, I was able to see some of my unhealthy pieces too, that I either learned from the relationship or as a response from being in an abusive relationship, being a, unfortunately a victim of infidelity, you have issues that follow you after that. Like, it's just, like I said, like, I, I don't want to normalize trauma. I, I don't like that term. I, I really need to figure out a better phrase, but it is normalizing trauma is that trauma carries. And of course, it's going to continue to dictate my life. And so knowing that and being aware of it makes it so I can course correct. I remember I got in a car accident after I married my now husband, TJ. And I remember being afraid to tell him that I'd gotten in this car accident because previously it might've been an issue in my other relationship. And for me to be able to recognize that I was responding that way and then go in and get the help that I needed to correct that. Cause I don't want that to continue in my relationship and being very honest with him and just saying, Hey, and, and you know, of course when I told him he was fine, he just wanted, he was just worried about me. But when I told him, I, I expressed to him, I said, Hey, you know, it was interesting when I got in this car accident, my first response was I was afraid to tell you. And I know that's not anything you've done, but that's something from my previous relationship, I think, and I need to do some work here and I need you to be patient with me and I need you to understand that sometimes I might respond incorrectly, you know, or maybe not in a healthy way because of what I've gone through, but I'm doing the work and he's been nothing but supportive of me through that. And so that would be another really big difference is I'm able to, you know, see I'm aware of some of those things. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wouldn't have gotten help, if I wouldn't have worked with coaches, if I wouldn't have worked with therapy. And that's why I think it's so crucial. I like how you said that you recognize it. Cause as you're like sharing that initial reaction, I know some people are like, what do you mean? Why would someone get mad at you for being car? Cause I'm like, Oh no, I get it. Like, I, get the, I get the like, Oh yeah. I wouldn't want to share that either. And so it takes a lot of bravery and strength to be vulnerable about stuff where people may like was why is that an issue it's like no 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 like this is a brain thing like we're all been there for someone who's struggling to be vulnerable about their trauma because it 
Yeah, yeah. I know you hate the term normalizing trauma, but like you I have to be cool. I, I, I just people are afraid of trauma. I didn't mean to cut you off, but people are afraid of word trauma. So I really gotta figure out a more friendly phrase. But I mean that is what it is. We need to normalize trauma. Yeah. So how do you what's helped you be vulnerable about these um, experiences that you've had that honestly, if we're going to look at a perfect world, most of the stuff people go through, they shouldn't have had to go through. Like, let's be real. Everyone has that. So how do you help encourage someone to not, not just feel safe with another person, but feel safe exploring that vulnerability and that pain with themselves? Cause having, having had to work on that constantly and will the rest of existence what is it that's helped you kind of lower down those barriers, that PTSD response? There's all sorts of stuff working against it. How do you help encourage that vulnerability with yourself? I mean, for me, I, if I'm noticing a catch, so to speak, or like noticing I'm having trouble being vulnerable, um, that usually is a sign that there's more reason to be vulnerable, right? Like if, if a guard is going up, if my fight response is going up, my fight or flight then I try to lean into it. And what I mean by that is just if it's something that needs to be talked through or if I'm noticing the uncomfortable piece, it's leaning into that discomfort, having those tough conversations. Like it's not comfortable for me to tell my my husband that I was afraid because of a previous relationship, which, you know, it. and if you've been married and divorced, and then been in another relationship married or not, it's sometimes it's not very fun to bring up that you ever had another relationship or you ever were in love with someone else, bring up that past that can be uncomfortable. So leaning into that vulnerability, though, is the best thing you can do in a lot of ways um, for your partner. And I choose to be in that relationship. So I'm choosing to show all my pieces, right? Um, You know, obviously, with boundaries, that's been really important for me. For me with myself, same thing, just leaning into it. From a, if I'm noticing, like I said, that catch, or I'm le- noticing the discomfort, I try to sit in that discomfort. All feelings are meant to be felt. And I think we forget that. I think we try to blow past them. And that's when you end up in a numb circumstance. And that's when you end up not responding the way you want to, because it's going to come out somewhere. And so being vulnerable with myself is just when I notice the discomfort, I sit with the discomfort and I try to figure out why it's there. And sometimes I can do it by myself and sometimes I can't, even as a coach, sometimes you, it's like being mad that you have something in your teeth and you didn't see it, right? Like I can't see something's in my teeth without having a mirror in front of me. And same thing with therapy. Like I can't be mad that I can't see something. That's why working with a therapist, working with coaches, I continue to do, even though I am a life coach, I can't always see it for myself. So sometimes if I can't uncover it, then I work with those people for myself. What would you recommend? You know, if, I mean, we, again, like, like you've said, a lot of people are going through this, but for someone who's left a spouse, left abusive relationship, someone who's struggling, you know, normalizing their trauma or what they're experiencing, what's the best way that you've seen to help support that person and help them know that you've got their back? A couple of ways. Number one is, just be, know which hat you're wearing. And what I mean by that is if you're not wearing the hat where you are supposed to be fixing it and doing the work and you're showing up for them every day, then you don't get, you know, don't try to 
tell them what to do necessarily. Don't tell them how they should feel, right? If you've never walked that, and even if you have walked that in some ways, it's a hard thing to each individual experience. So the best thing to do is support them and, you know, just share loving words, be the person that they can talk to, make it a safe space for them. Not one where you're going to criticize their choices. Even if you're like, it's black and white on the wall, like you said earlier, like why would somebody be mad about a car accident? You're right. Like, I mean, in a quote unquote normal world, you know, I'd hope somebody's not mad about a car accident. But ultimately, there are people that are in relationships where somebody's mad about a car accident, even if it wasn't their fault and they could have got hurt. Just allow them to have a place of peace. And even if you see them going back to this relationship too, which is really hard, but all you can do is just continue to support them, let them know their love, let them know they have a safe space because a lot of the time um, they, they've got to do it themselves. They've got to decide that it's time for themselves. And usually what's keeping them is something that's deep rooted, like not having, um, you know, value in themselves. Like me, that was part of the reason I accepted a lot of what I had in multiple relationships because I didn't know that that was there. And so sometimes when you're sitting on the outside and going, why are you staying? Why do you keep doing this? And you, you know, maybe it's clear to you, but it's not, it might not be clear to them. And in, in, even on a conscious level, it might be clear to them, but on a subconscious level, they might still believe that this is where they need to be. And so until they really are able to uncover that and do the work in some way, they, they'll probably stay in that relationship. And the best thing you can do is, you know, unless somebody's in harm's way is continue to support them. Now, if somebody's in physical harm's way, I would really encourage you to read up on some resources. Um, we really love to work with FADV.org. They are, no matter where you are in the U.S., there's also international. I know you have um, some international um, listeners. You had mentioned that earlier. There are great resources out there. Read how to support somebody if they're in a domestic violent relationship. If that's going on, then that might look a little differently if you fear for their safety. Ultimately, you just need to support them. Know what hat you're wearing. If they ask for advice, sure, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but also realize you're dealing with somebody in a very fragile state. There could be trauma bonds, which is very much like a drug addiction in some ways, the way that it feels. So just know that you're dealing with somebody that has a lot of other factors. So being a support is the best. Oh, that's great. And that's interesting that you mentioned fight against domestic violence. I I actually worked for the company that helped start that. And I did some... So they're fantastic. And and I've talked to the one who founded them to actually help a friend uh, get out of a really nasty situation, ask for resources. And they are, as a personal note, they are very good and they care a lot and have some wonderful resources to help you and, and help people you know. That's cool that you mentioned them because that's the one I've had personal experience with. So Yeah, no, they're great. Um, we, we love to support them. We try to, over at the Relationship Recovery, we try to donate 10% of our profits in everything we do. Um, to a cause like we've worked with our rescue, but FADV is one of the main ones closest to our heart. Tiffany uh, and I, it, you know, domestic violence doesn't always mean somebody's being hit. It's an emotional. I, I mean, there's lots of different versions of domestic abuse. Just know that too. It's kind of normalizing abuse too. We need to talk about that more. So they're they're doing a great job. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So thank you for mentioning them. 
thank you for your time. I, I know you're busy and I do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and, and our audience. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention, but didn't get the chance to earlier in the conversation? And there's a couple things I would just say, give yourself grace, give yourself time to uncover if there is a core thing. If you're noticing, it's very interesting. We do the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And when you really can sit and think about that, I think you'll find it more than you think. So when you can start uncovering that, I think you'll you'll start moving forward. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like, I keep trying to do this and I keep trying to move forward, there's something at a subconscious level that's probably dictating more of your life than you think. It, the things we tell ourselves, the things we've learned in childhood, the things that, you know, the traumas, those moments that really hurt us and we tend to hold on to those things really do dictate our life until we are able to process them. And that's why I'm saying like normalized trauma, more than likely there's some sort of trauma that's dictating your life. And if you're really trying to accomplish something or move on and you just keep feeling stuck and you're like, why do I keep sabotaging myself? Why can't I, you know, even if it's going to the gym, I know that one's a common one that a lot of people relate to. There could very well be something just on a subconscious level that's in your way. So um, reach out for resources, reach out for help. It's out there. That would be the main thing. And then that would maybe relate to everyone. And then the other piece I would share is if you have ever just struggled with a relationship with yourself, if you've struggled with your relationship with um, a family member, a friend or a romantic relationship, I mean, I would, we'd really, I'd love to support you. So um, you can learn more about us at the relationship recovery.com. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at frankly Kirsten. And, you know, I, we've got a lot of really great free resources. We have a really great community. Even if you just want some community, it's there too. So you're not alone by any means. Thank you. And, and for my listeners, I'll post links to her website and the articles she's mentioned on, on my site and social channels as well. And absolutely go follow them. And Kirsten, thank you so much. You uh, have clearly put a lot of your soul into learning who you are and helping others do the same. And I think that's very admirable. So thank you for sharing that and kind of the wisdom you've learned along the way. I'm sure through a lot of trial and error, um, but I'm grateful there are people like you trying to help those of us who are still on the path to figuring it all out. So thank you for your time. Yeah, Um, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me and. Thank you, Robin, for nominating me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks, Robin, for nominating her. If you guys know someone that you'd like to have on our podcast and talk about their defining moments, absolutely let me know at kayleespeaks.com slash podcast. I'd love to chat with them. As we're coming up on uh, December, a lot of holiday season, there'll probably be a, a week or so where, where there's no podcast episodes, but still send them to me. I'll still be keeping an eye out and get you ready for the bunch of interviews for the new year. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a great day.